All right, welcome back into another episode of Petty's Pod. Um, been a couple weeks since we've done one, but we have a new schedule coming up for uh, for the podcast. It's Sunday nights is going to be this show first. Um, Carson Orvis on his pod is going to be NFL uh, wrap-up and review, so tune into those. But today we have a, a Monday pod for uh, Petty's Pod. We're going to be getting into CFB. Again, it's going to be me, Carson Orvis, and David Young in person, um, which is big news. We haven't had an in-person guest in over a year, so... It's going to be a really fun episode. We talk college football. We talk new A people. And we also get into some hot takes uh, towards the end. So it's, it's really fun. And uh, stay tuned in. Stay locked in. And let's get straight into it. All right. Welcome back into the studio. Uh, like I said in the intro, we got David and Carson here with us today. First time in about two years that we've had guests on the podcast in person. What's going on, guys? Not much. Excited to be here. Excited for my first appearance on Petty's Pod. Um, nothing like talking college football. Let's do it. Yeah, you know, excited to be here. Excited to get into it. Great week last week. Um, so, yeah, so let's get straight into it. Uh, a couple good games this weekend. Carson, we watched Texas-Alabama all the way through. I'll start with you. Thoughts, just overall thoughts on that game. Great game. Well, of course, I'm the only one on this set that picked Texas to win that football game. You guys, even, uh, let's just acknowledge David Young's uh, tweet before the game about how Alabama would win by 25-plus. That's just embarrassing. We'll get, I mean, I'll, David, you know, I will acknowledge yeah, it, just, and, and, yeah. and I've never been someone afraid to, you know, admit his wrongs. Uh, I was wrong about Texas Tech week one, and I was absolutely wrong about Alabama week two. I kind of thought Alabama had a player that could play quarterback. It was mm, my It's almost time. like I said when he would be forced and, to throw the ball, it wouldn't work. Hmm. And you know what? Weird. When the, the second he threw that pick early, I I looked at the guy I was at dinner with, and I said, you know what? This game's over. And 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 you could just tell, like from the energy that Texas came out with, that they were ready to play this game. And you could tell that Alabama probably read my tweet honestly and thought they were going to win by twenty five because the way they played, they did not look energized. They they looked like it was going to be. It looked like they realized they played for Alabama and just thought that it would be more of the same, just dominating opponents, and Texas came in with a chip on their shoulder. Shout out to them. Well, personally, I will say I think the game was over before it started because one team had a quarterback that had some composure and some experience, and the other had a guy who you cannot trust throwing the football in a big game, in a big SEC game. Um, so... Quinn Ewers was great, though. I Quinn Ewers deserves obviously Milrow did not play well, but Quinn Ewers deserves a ton of credit. He looked very composed, made some great throws, especially that deep ball to Worthy. I mean, he was impressive. We've never we haven't seen him show that type of composure. We've always doubted him as an NFL quarterback, but he looked like an NFL passer. Um, Sarkeesian was great um, all throughout the game. He had Alabama off balance, and a guy I really want to shout out is. Um, Freshman linebacker uh, Anthony Hill Jr. He he Milrow had his moments of running of uh, scrambling, picking up yards, but Anthony Hill, for freshman out of high school, five star recruit, for the most part, did an incredible job um, shadowing Milrow and making plays, pass rush uh, coverage, quarterback spy. So that was um, so. I mean, number zero on the defense, and the number zero on the offense, Jatavian Sanders, the tight end, was making some great plays. So. I don't know, Texas, the energy the energy around Texas gets better and better every year. It feels like these players are even more bought in than last year. Uh, it feels like they're taking another step in the right direction. This win is a program changer. It could This win could solidify Sark as Texas' future coach. I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do. And the while, we're the on the, while we're on the topic of calling out tweets, I have a tweet from Carson Orvis right here that says, 
Worthy still can't catch the ball against Alabama. Well, okay, well, let's let me just let me just no, no. He made one of the best okay. catches of the season. Context, so. T- context. Last year, we all remember early in the game, Quinn Ewers deep ball, Xavier Worthy in the back of the end zone dropped. Early in that game, deep ball dropped. He proved me wrong. I'm happy he proved me wrong. I'm, I was rooting for Texas. I picked Texas. You all did. Right? You did. I just wanted. But to when I made that tweet. tweet, when I made that tweet. At that moment, he could not guess the ball against Alabama. He could not. But then he proved me wrong, and I couldn't have been happier to see David's 25-point Alabama win go down the drain. Yeah, you know, I'm not too proud of it, uh, but that was my level three. I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud. I, I for one, am very proud of my pick of Texas. The only question I have coming out of this game is who did you learn more about? Because for me, I learned a lot more about Alabama than I did Texas. I told you guys exactly what would happen with Jalen Milrow, and you didn't want to listen. I didn't I learn said, anything. You, what did I say during the game? You'd never heard of the guy, and you did not know he was I that bad. No. And you should have believed me. No, and I'm on the Jalen Milrow train. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> did you know that's that? right. I, I said that during the game. I'm on the train. <laughs> I think he's a Heisman candidate. The next train year. is next year. Next the year. train is next going year. off the tracks, and it's going off the tracks fast. I would be more shocked. Like, I would be so surprised if Jalen Milrow is in an Alabama uniform next year and not in a low FBS uniform next year. Tell me this. Did Carson, did he not show flashes during that game? Oh, my God. He showed, yeah, flashes. He showed flashes because he's an athletic dude. But I don't know. The past, He got – he yes, he had some big runs, but he got sacked a lot. And I also want to point out, it wasn't just Milrow. The offensive line, that might have been the worst I've seen an offensive line from Alabama look, I mean, since I've been watching That's college true. football. That off, Alabama's offensive line is just always nails. You always can depend on it, but, man – um, Jace McClellan could not get the run game going, and they were allowing a lot of sacks. You credit Texas for dialing up the pressure. Um, pretty pretty smart game plan on the defensive coordinator's part, but they were getting home a lot, and they were making plays. The defensive ends were um, holding their edges. They were making tackles, so you got to give them credit, but Alabama's offensive line was also bad. I think Taylor Milrow will be a great quarterback for the Rice Owls next year. Wow. Official prediction. Wow. He'll be the quarterback You'll of think Rice he another JT Daniels transfer? He will be the quarterback of Rice next year. Wow. But for you, who did you, who did you learn? I learned much more about Texas. They just really? looked like like a. They didn't look like Texas. Honestly, they looked like a team that can win something. They looked like a team that is not gonna sell their season on a random loss to Kansas or Texas Tech this year. They mm-hmm. looked like a different Texas team. They looked. Not only did they win, they looked better than Alabama. Usually, when Alabama loses, they it's they a couple plays like the, like the Devon A. Chain return to, touchdown, yeah. something like that. A couple plays you can point to, like a, a couple years when they, a couple years ago when they lost to Auburn, they just had too many men on the field. They're probably going to win that game. Yeah. But they didn't. Texas looked like the better football team all, during the entire sixty minutes of that game. So I learned way more about Texas. Yeah. I think uh, the the main question for them was the offense losing B. John Robinson, but I think that I, I'm I'm going to agree with Dave. I learned more about Texas because Carson mentioned the D line, and we were watching that Carson. I think that was the biggest takeaway yeah. for me because mm-hmm. the questions about the offense were kind of answered uh, with the receiving core, and also Quinn Ewers did his thing as well. But for me, the the D line was the, was the main factor in that game. Um, but yeah. We're going to move on to uh, Carson's team now, the Buffs, uh, against rivals Nebraska. Big, Carson, big one. Off here. I, mean, I mean, is that what we expected against Jeff Sims? Absolutely. But that doesn't take away from how amazing it feels to stomp those clowns and send them back home. They wanted to walk all over our, lo- our logo before the game. They wanted to dance on the buff. And then Shadur went out and showed them his Rolex and proceeded to beat them up. Beat them up. Um, so that was 
absolutely amazing. But um, really, I, I the big takeaway was this CU can win in multiple different ways. Week one, they won with flash, speed, offense. But this week, they won a grittier game. They won a grittier game. Um, Nebraska's always going to be a good team in the trenches, but CU won. They Jeff Sims obviously had some unforced turnovers, and CU took advantage of those, which is a, which was great. I mean, you can't expect the opposing quarterback to do what Jeff Sims did in that game. That was not good quarterbacking, to say the least. But regardless, the um, the defense looked great. The defensive line was was resilient, stopping the run. Obviously, Travis Hunter shut down half the field, but. It was really good to see um, the Buffs win with toughness in the offense, even the offense. Shador, Shador in the first half, it looked like he was kind of fell fell back fell back a step from week one, but the second half he lit it up. Still ended with great stats. Um, it was just a really it was good to see the Buffs um, persevere when it wasn't going well. To see this team that was riding so high to just stay the course and stay locked in and end up beating the crap out of their rivals for me i think the thing about colorado that's really fun is that the first two weeks of the season they've kind of had guys that we've never heard of come up and play big games the first week it was dylan edwards with three mm-hmm. touchdowns or four touchdowns and then this week it was xavier, Weaver, xavier yeah. Weaver. yeah so we expect things out of travis hunter we expect things out of shador and obviously we expect the play calling to be good with prime but there's guys i think every week we're going to see that turn up for them mm-hmm. um and kind of make a name for themselves because they're they're really good, dude. And I've said I've said on your podcast, Carson. That I think that the the highest they can get to is a New Year's Six when they beat some of the uh, harder opponents. They do have one of the hardest schedules in college football this year. Mm-hmm. So. And I, yeah, I think that's just because Shadur is just better than anyone could have expected. And these receivers are just athletes. And Prime picked some good, picked really fitting guys on the outside for Shadur's skill set. Yeah, David, thoughts on Colorado after week two? Honestly, and and this is gonna sound crazy because they just beat their rival by twenty two points. I wasn't too impressed with them uh, offensively they were fantastic offensively mm-hmm. they were unbelievable uh just that 222 rushing yards to nebraska is is a scary number to see they have not been able to figure out stopping the run they're a bottom 10 run defense in all of college football right now they need to figure that out before you go to it play go to Austin stadium play oregon go to play usc like they just need to figure out the run defense and once they do they're going to be unbelievable, but right now that's a big concern for me. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think a lot of that's got to just be in the coaching. Obviously, the the issue you have um, with one one transfer cycle, you can bring in speed, you can bring in athletes, but it's really hard to build um, a deep defensive line. You really can't do it, especially at a place like Colorado. It's really hard to be build a deep defensive line of talent. So. The defensive coordinator, defensive coaching has to become a little more creative. I didn't. I just think they should have packed the box a lot more with Jeff Sims. Like, I would have felt completely comfortable with Travis Hunter and Amari and Cooper just man on man on islands out there against those wide receivers with Jeff Sims throwing the ball. Dare Jeff Sims to beat you with his arm? They should have packed the box a little more. Um, obviously, that's not a luxury you have against Bo Nix and Caleb Williams. But no, I agree. But I just, it's not the run defense is not something I really expect to get get good to be honest just because it's really it's just pretty much an impossible thing to do in one one year of transfers i know i think the thing for that was the front seven was one of the biggest questions going into tcu week one Mm -hmm. and their their starting running back got injured and they kind of shut them down in the run game um in that game too but then they kind of got exposed a little bit against nebraska that's a good point um but right now we're going to get into some uh ap poll talk and uh 
talk a little bit about Big Ten right now. There's a lot to talk about. All right, yeah, let's get into some uh, AP poll talk. Uh, new rankings came out yesterday. There are some uh, key factors. David, I know you have your own top 25, um, but let's start with your, your school, Penn State, um, but really just in the Big Ten in general. Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State is a huge topic this year. Michigan at two. Ohio State dropping to six this week after dropping week one as well. And then Penn State at seven, one behind them. I think it's an absolute joke that uh, Penn State is ranked behind Ohio State right now. I think I'm not saying Ohio State is worse than us. I'm just saying they have not proven that they are a better team than Penn State so far this year. They both played other Power 5 opponents in Week 1, and Penn State played better. And then they both played FCS opponents in Week 2, and Penn State played better. Uh, I also think Michigan over Florida State is bad. Um, Michigan is underwhelmed two weeks in a row, and Florida State might have the best win in all of college football this season. Uh, I really like Texas at four. I think it was uh, the right play to put them up there, but that's all the major problems I have with the top ten at least. All right, when it comes to Penn State, I like Penn State. I think they have talent, but I'm just going to ask the audience a question, and just consider this when listening to David's take about Penn State being over Ohio State. Who is Penn State's head coach? It's James Franklin, but okay. through okay. Week, I'm not saying at the All end right. of the year. End we'll, of we'll, conversation. Talking about right now, of course. Never one time did I say at the end of the year we'll be right Do you now. honestly think Ohio State? They State's are the better football. Ohio State's better because they have a better head coach right now. There's not enough evidence to put them over to, to like to make up for I don't for know the, if there's the head evidence head. to make the Ryan Day's much of a yeah, better Yeah, he's on the chopping block. They still beat, they still beat the Penn State every year, and they have a pretty easy time doing it. Where's that game this year? It's at Ohio State. Yeah. They have they they pretty done, easy they, time doing it. Relatively easy going into the fourth quarter last year. I wouldn't say that's an easy time, but also I feel like uh, it's pretty easy. Overall, to coach Ohio in the last State. ten years, it is pretty, very easy. Pretty easy to coach Ohio State uh, when you're given four or five star receivers. Well, every recruiting Penn cycle. State has a team now, so let's see if James. Anyway, Franklin I think it's going to be a great game. When we play Ohio State. We'll see. If it was at home, I would 100 percent take us to beat Ohio State. Still taking us to win a close one in Columbus, but. You know, I, and, and the Franklin concerns are, are, are very warranted. I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that I think he's a great head coach, but all I'm saying right now is through week two, Penn State has proven more than Ohio State. That's 100% true. I think Penn, Ohio State had probably the worst uh, week one out of any of these teams, out of any of the three teams I just mentioned in the Big Ten, um, by far against a terrible Indiana team. Um, and then, once again, just not super convincing uh, this past weekend. Against a team I've honestly never heard of. Apparently, I should have heard of them before, but I, I've never heard of. Who was it? For, uh, who did Ohio State play? Youngstown State. Youngstown State. State. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of them. Um, and they had the same amount of points as uh, as Michigan, who which is a perfect segue into oh, the They next. were playing East Carolina. All right. This is the next. Simmer down. My first goodness. of all, that was week one. Second of all, um, David, you have your own top 25. Yes, I do. And let, let's just hear the, the top 10 right now. All right, so my top 10, Georgia at 1. I got Florida State at 2. Texas at 3. Michigan 4. USC 5. Penn State 6. Notre Dame 7. Washington 8. Ohio State 9. Oregon 10. Special shout-out for number 9. <laughs> you know, I got a special shout-out to Mike. Uh, I really want him to listen when I say Ohio State is at 9. They are not in the top eight, Mike. I Mike, I'm trying my best, Mike. But I promise you that much, Mike. Mike. What What's the reasoning for Michigan at four? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, it's just I'm not a fan of preseason polls, so I don't really like. What have they done? To, so I'm, why is Georgia, Georgia, Why is Georgia so high then? I just think it's the talent thing, 
and it's the same well, reason that's, why that's preseason. It's the same reason why Ohio State is is in my top ten at all, and it's just the pure talent of that. But with Michigan, I think they have just underwhelmed two weeks in a row, and it's not so much of a they dropped; it's more of a they got jumped. It's not that they deserved. It's not that I dropped them. It's just that I think that teams have proven more than them. I, I still think we're going to end the year with Michigan in the playoff, but as of right now, they are my number four team in the country, and, and I honestly consider putting USC over them as well. What do you have Alabama? I have Alabama at number 11. Okay. Because, Carson, we during that Texas game, we, we called that they were going to be in that yeah. kind of – Eight to twelve. Still spot. in the top. Yeah, I basically just where I had Alabama and Texas last yeah. week. I mean, that's honestly fair. The only I, I would say the only reasoning for putting Florida State and, and Texas ahead of Michigan right now is just because of the wins that they've had, which is pretty obvious um, to say. But Michigan has hasn't done anything hasn't done anything to be dropped. I think the argument about Georgia having talent and, and, and like the preseason rankings is the same reason why Michigan remains at two and that why they should. Yeah, and it's and two. it's honestly the same reason I have Michigan at four. It just and honestly the real reason is I just haven't seen enough from Florida State or Texas to put them at one. Like I just I, I just don't have as much faith in them. I have as what is Georgia. what is Florida State what does I just Georgia don't have, have that Florida State doesn't? They they just have experience in big games and I'm and I'm nervous that Florida State is going to lose a game that they shouldn't. Well, also is LSU as good as we thought they were going that week one? I mean, we just don't know yet. Last week they beat Grambling by sixty. That doesn't tell us anything. They should have done that. Uh, but yeah, I think that's my top ten right now. And honestly, I went back and forth. I had both Georgia and Florida State at number one like four times. I was just going back and forth. I I ended with Georgia for the simple reason of they have the best defense in college football by a lot. And I value having a great defense in college football slightly more than I value having a great offense in college football. And that's not saying Florida State does not have an elite defense, but they might, they might have the second best defense in the country with, with Verse and Cypress and, and all those guys. But Georgia, I just think until I see Georgia really struggle in a game or really have a hiccup, I, I can't move them from one. Carson, what's your what's your uh, what's your issues with the with the AP poll or David's AP poll so far? Well, I like David that you have Florida Florida State about higher than the AP poll. I think they're the number one team in the country. They have they have the best win, and it doesn't. We can talk about LSU if they're not as good as they were. They stopped LSU. It was impressive. And I mean, yes, Georgia has experience, but a lot of it is new. That defense is all in the NFL now. We don't know at all what Carson Beck's going to be like. Really, you have Brock Bowers, and you're kind of leaning on that. But if, I mean, if Beck does his job, they're fine. Um, I think th- putting Texas ahead of Michigan, I get it, because they just beat Alabama. I think it might be a little premature. I don't hate it, but it's just tough to put Texas ahead of Michigan because I think if they play today, Michigan's just the better football team, especially in the trenches. But I, I also understand the deserving thing. Um, USC, I like USC, placed at five in both. Uh, I think uh, Ohio State should not be behind, be behind Notre Dame. I can kind of hear the argument for Penn State. I'd still put them ahead of Penn State because of the head coach issue, but I think Notre Dame's Notre Dame's getting a little overrated just because Sam Hartman's stacking up numbers against horrible teams. And, I mean, obviously we'll see it play out when Ohio State and Notre Dame play. That's So um, I kind of didn't put too much thought into Notre Dame versus Ohio State because we're going to see it so right. soon. No, that's fair. But I honestly, out of Penn State, Notre Dame, and Washington – being above Ohio State, I'd put Washington above Ohio State before I put Penn State over them. Like, I would have 
really I'd have Washington at six and then Ohio State because I think just for the sim, I think Washington and Penn State are very comparable in terms of just talent across the board. But Michael Penix, we know we know that um, he's played Ohio State, he's played big games. Um, we trust we trust Kalen DeBoer and Penix that duo. Um, they have ex- an explosive offense. Um, but I th- I think I think David, you're 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 still low on the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes, I think six is a solid place just because USC is showing a lot of is showing some improvement on the defense. I guess it's it's hard to tell, but overall it just looks better. They tackle better. It just looks like a more disciplined defense. But I still keep Ohio State at six. I like the AP's ranking there, but. Washington is a team I would. Washington is the team I'd be most willing to hear up at five or six. I don't know. For me personally, I think that this is probably one of the most accurate AP polls I think I've, I've honestly ever seen. One through 25 is pretty fair, to be honest. I like that Colorado cracked the top 20. Um, I think they can make a New Year's six by the end of it. I think they're going to win some of, some of the pretty, pretty big games that they have coming up on their schedule. Duke at 21 might honestly be a little low. Um, and then North Carolina as well dropping is, is pretty fair after their after they struggled this weekend. Um, another Duke another should be a bummer. Another, yeah, no, <clears> another just big problem I have with the AP poll is is having Kansas unranked. They came out and dominated an Illinois team who a lot of people had hype. Uh, it was someone on this show picked them to win the Big Ten West. I feel like, but they just I mean they flat out dominated them. It was it was way more than what the score said. Uh, and so I, w- I, I was honestly very surprised to not see Kansas ranked. Above who? I have Kansas at 23. So who do you not have in? Washington State? I have Washington State at 25. I have North what Carolina about? at 25. I don't have Iowa, Iowa ranked. Okay. I do not so have Iowa ranked. Team you take out. What about UCLA? I do not have Iowa ranked, and I do not have... I don't think... I don't have UCLA, UCLA ranked either. either. So you have... Yeah... Jeez. Okay. Explain. Explain why you have David has Utah at twenty two. Explain that. And honestly, it's mostly because they sold my parlay last week, and I wanted to punish them a little bit. But uh, Baylor's awful, and that should not be uh, a game that was even close. Uh, and I also I rank my my rankings are very very week by week. So mm-hmm. with rising back, it's a different team. But I'm ranking the Utah that I saw on Saturday. Not the Utah with Cam Rising, so that's why they're so low in my rankings. Um, but and with with Rising back, it's a it's a very different team, and it's a team that's going to compete in the Pac-12. But just right now, the last weekend was embarrassing that it was that they had to score a last second touchdown versus a team that lost to Texas State on that very same field last week. Yeah, no, I I mean I look at them as a team with Cam Rising, so I expect him to be back soon. And it's just like I look at the teams behind them in the AP pool, and it's just AP pool, and it's hard for me to say like with how Oregon looked against Texas Tech, and because we know what a Utah team led by Cam Rising look um, looks like. They're tough, gritty. They're just a really hard team to beat, especially late in the season when guys start getting worn down. It's like Oregon, okay, LSU, that underwhelming game. It's hard to put them above the reigning Pac-12 championship, Pac-12 champion Kansas State and Oregon State's not there yet um but without cam rising obviously they're not the 12th ranked team in the country all right yeah um i think that kind of wraps it up for the ap pool talk we're going to get into a segment that we haven't done on this podcast in a couple months honestly um and that is the hot take segment for college football um three weeks in and we're going to get straight into it all right yeah now we're getting into the hot take segment um something we do a lot on the pod but we haven't done in a while 
I'll go first with mine. This is one I said since week one on Carson's podcast, but I'm still going to stick with my uh, original hot take here, and I'm going to say Colorado's making the New Year's Six Bowl. He's going to make a New Year's Six Bowl by the end of the season. Interesting. Okay, well, I like that. I mean, I like to hear that. I love that. I'm not sure I expect it, but I'm going to stay with the Buffs, actually, with my hot take. But it's going to just go a slightly different direction. So this is something I don't necessarily want to happen. Um, I won't be mad if and or when this happens, but I think it's kind of inevitable a move like this happens. Um, Obviously, again, hope it doesn't happen, but my hot take is Deion Sanders will be the next head coach at the University of Oklahoma. Um, Brent Venables does not look like that, dude. Oklahoma's going to the SEC. They, they, whether Deion, um, if Shadur goes to the draft and he leaves after this year, if that opportunity is out there, Oklahoma will dump Venables instantly. They still are. They still have recruited well. The recruiting base is still there. Going to the SEC, they need some juice if they want to keep up with um, teams like Georgia, Alabama. Even Texas now. If they want to keep up with their rival Texas, they need some juice in their program. Um, and just, yeah. I From day one, I was down on the Venables hire. And unless unless they, I mean, they've played well the first two weeks against bad teams. Even, I guess, not great against SMU. But they're going to have to have a really good year to justify keeping Brent Venables over Deion Sanders if that opportunity comes. So I, as much as it sucks and as much as I'd love Deion Sanders to be a buff for a long time, I think he is going to be the next Oklahoma Sooners head coach. David, thoughts on that? I don't mind that at all. Uh, and, and LSU, I almost said LSU. I almost said LSU. Because, because I mean, deep down we all know, like and you can admit this as a Colorado fan, Colorado is not Deion's end goal. It's not no. where Deion wants to end his coaching career. And and if I want to go super bold with where Deion could go, he could uh, just – be waiting for Nick Saban to retire. Oh, that's, yeah, that's what I think. He too. could just be waiting for Saban to retire. That could. But be it's like after this somewhere. season, after the season, if Oklahoma hands him his blank check that they would, he would. Oh, he would if Shadur leaves, map. let's. That's I mean, if Shadur works himself into being a solidified top ten pick, he will leave, and Oklahoma will give Dion whatever he wants, and then Boomer Sooner fans will get the lucky luxury of watching Travis Hunter play football. I don't know. We were talking about this the other day, and I think we said Alabama, LSU, and Oklahoma were the three teams for him. Yeah. But I think he stays. I think he stays at Colorado until Travis Hunter leaves. Uh, and keep keep your eye on, on uh, the coaching situation over in South Carolina with Clemson. Keep your eye out there. Yeah. I I, I like tech. The one reason I like Oklahoma is because they're going to the SEC in 2025. That gives Dion another year to be with Shadur if Shadur stays and Travis, and then make the move. Um, Oklahoma will still have another year in the Big 12 to just... To, I mean, I'm they're probably going to have a good year in the Big 12. They'll maybe lose two in-conference games. I don't think they can beat Texas, especially after this past week. But, you know, they have a good year this year, and then next year, I mean, you have to go all in or Coach Prime's coming to town. David, what's your hot take? So my hot take is, is not only is uh, Tennessee going to lose to Florida this weekend in the Swamp, uh, they're going to end the year unranked. Unless, and they're, and I have an unless here, and it's unless they start Nico. I don't think I don't think Joe Milton is the answer. Oh. He, he played a good game in week one against maybe not only the worst team in Power 5, but maybe one of the worst teams in all of the country in Virginia. And and they just struggled with Austin P. They just, they they looked just awful against Austin P. And and looking at their schedule here, you yeah, got who did, at, they, who did they lose to? You got at Florida, who I have a loss to. 
You've got South Carolina, who is going to keep it close, who just absolutely dominated a better Tennessee yeah, team last, last year. year. It is at home, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out and predict a loss there. So that's two. Then Texas A&M is going to keep it close. They'll beat Texas A&M. They're going to keep it close. They're going to lose to Bama. They're going to lose to Georgia. That's four losses right there. And then you could see a slip-up at yeah, Missouri. You could see a slip-up at Kentucky. Well, even four losses. I think Kentucky is the most You could see, yeah, and then and then you could see a slip-up against a Kentucky or a Missouri or an A&M. And if you end the year 8-4, and 7-5, and five, you're not going to be ranked. Uh, so I just think that, that after what I saw last week from them, it was it was just not not good. So I I'm willing to predict that Tennessee will have a massive fall off this year and end the year unranked. I don't know. I haven't watched them to judge them off that, yeah. but I will be watching the Florida game this week. Yeah. I kind of want to watch Joe Milton play in Tennessee. Um, now I want to watch him more after that take. But just honestly, know week week one Austin P lost to Southern Illinois by 26. Week two they lost at Tennessee by 17. I mean it, I I I I hear that. I hear that. Um, I mean, Joe Milton has to be. I don't even. Joe Milton has to be that guy. Um, I I don't know. I think it's gonna hurt because they don't have their receivers like they did last year. Yeah. Because yeah, if they had Jalen Hyatt, Joe Milton would really have an easy or job. Even but he has to make. Even he Cedric has to Tillman. Make, yeah. Cedric Tillman was was yeah. a guy who last year I considered to be one of the best receivers in all the SEC. Yeah. I, I hadn't even heard of Jalen Hyatt at the beginning of last yeah, year. Yeah. And you're in. And you're with that. You're forcing Joe Milton to more, make more tight window throws, and which I, is just I, not what he. Did. I fully believe. I fully believe Brew McCoy is one of the best receivers. I in think all Brew McCoy is good. But, but I think Ramel Keaton's it's, also it's good. It's exactly what you said. It's it's. It's you're forcing Joe Milton to throw to receivers who aren't necessarily deep threats. Yeah, and, and who aren't going to be wide open. That is just not what you want to not what you want to do to yeah and to surround Joe Milton with. Josh Heupel's offense is a lot of fun, but it's very reliant on your wide receivers getting. Oh, it's like they they spread it out wide, and last year the receivers just got wide open, and the quarterback's job was really easy. It's not those are not easy throws to make if your guys aren't wide open down the field like that sideline to sideline. So, and the, Joe Milton's just not a quarterback. Right now, I look at as, I trust you to make a throw down the field up the sideline in a tight window over, over the back shoulder. No, and, and, and I watched with my own eyes Tennessee's entire secondary get burnt by a, an FCS receiver who is 5'11", 175 mm-hmm. pounds. Just, just cooked them. Yeah. Caught a 52-yard touchdown. They played greatly. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. And shout out to Austin P. They they went out there and and threw twenty nine for thirty nine for two sixty. Like they came out and played a good game. It's just that is that is not what you should be saying about Austin P. Playing Tennessee. You should not say, "Wow, they actually played a good game." Yeah, no. And so I'm I'm very worried about Tennessee. Uh, and honestly, I don't even think I don't even think of it as an overreaction. I think Tennessee is going to come out and and I think the swamp is going to be absolutely rocking this weekend. I, if I'm Florida, I throw I throw the ball twelve times this game. Yeah, you have one of the best running back duos in all of the country. They, they probably outside the of the more, probably dude. outside of the Big Ten East is the best running back duo in all you the gotta country. Gotta get Etn the ball. He's had 18 carries in two games. That is just yes. just unbelievable. And same with Montreal Johnson. Has same amount of carries. 18 carries in two games. They should both be getting the ball 15 to 20 times yeah. every game. Uh, and so I, for that reason, I don't know, I Tyler, you gotta, you gotta high, be smiling really hearing that about Joe Milton. No, I know. I mean, looking at the stat, I mean, again, I haven't watched them enough to to notice how bad they've actually been. But I'm listening to David here, and I'm excited to watch them this weekend against a against Florida away. But 
Yeah, I mean, Joe Milton was never my guy as a Michigan quarterback. I was super excited for him coming in and then kind of disappointed, really disappointed um, in the COVID year. But mm-hmm. honestly, um, yeah, I haven't watched them enough to judge them and, and really comment on them enough uh, to make to make sense, really. But I'm excited to watch them this this weekend and see if they've actually uh, li- lived up to the disappointment that I'm Yeah, you just them. worry that with the hypo offense that last year was just it all came together with the personnel and that it's not really a sustainable passing attack. Yeah, I mean, you got a, a quarterback. You took a chance on a Virginia Tech transfer who was, who was really good in the portal, and like everyone knew he was going to be that mm-hmm. guy. And you didn't expect him to have a historic season. You didn't expect Jalen Hyatt to be able to come out and be you know, absolutely that guy. You didn't, like, five touchdowns against Alabama and six receptions is just unbelievable. And, and I know earlier I was saying that I'm not a, like, preseason poll guy, and I don't want to move uh, – teams down or up because of where I had them in the preseason poll but preseason I had Tennessee at 16 so I was Mm -hmm. I was not a Tennessee fan to start the season and and they have actually done worse than I expected them to do in the first two I mean the first week is is Virginia and honestly Austin P might be a better opponent than Virginia Virginia is awful no they're certainly an intriguing watch it's 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 this game is going to be a great game because no matter how no matter what Florida's record is no matter who is on Florida's team you never want to play in the swamp no matter no matter what. So it's going to be a very interesting week, uh, and it's going to teach me a lot about Tennessee. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm excited to learn a bit more about them. But we're going to get into a, a segment here where we're going to each pick a team that is surprising, either disappointing or has been a surprise in a good way um, going forward. So I'm going to start off. I'm going to go with uh, one that's been a disappointing team, at, at least based off the past week, and that's going to be my, my team, actually. It's going to be Michigan. Um, honestly, obviously they haven't struggled at all, but I think there's little things that are kind of annoying me as a fan. I think the fact that, you know, having 35 points going into the fourth quarter and then people saying like, oh, like they put the third strings in, they put the fourth strings in, second string, whatever. They should be scoring points at, at the bare minimum. David likes to say that they haven't scored the amount of points that they've been favored by. Um, and I think that's honestly, like, if you really look at that, that's pretty embarrassing. Um... You shouldn't be favored by by 38 and then and not scoring 38 points um, against UNLV and East Carolina is, is pretty crazy. And I also think that, uh, I, like I said, there's little things that are kind of annoying as a fan because I watched this whole game against UNLV. Um, and there's like one of, the, one of the main things for me is Donovan Edwards had six carries in, in a run game that had 11 people who carried the ball. Donovan, Donovan Edwards had nine less carries than Blake Corum, and he only had 15. So... I think the play calling is a bit, a bit, a bit worse. But honestly, that goes goes without saying. Not having their head coach with them, so hopefully that turns around. I don't think that's getting talked about enough with this Michigan team. Um, I think a lot of people are saying they've been disappointing. Like David had them at four in his power rankings, um, which is I, I'm not too mad about that. But I think the biggest part is is, is the Jim Harbaugh gone factor. Um, so I hope one, once he gets back, I think against Nebraska, he's back. Um, that they'll be a, a little bit more explosive in their play calling as as well as. Uh, uh, eliminating little mistakes. So I think for me, a disappointing team has honestly been Michigan so far this season. So, Carson, who who do you got? Uh, well, just week two purposes, I'm going to say the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, Wisconsin came into this year. Um, I don't know if they were the betting favorite. I'm assuming they were the betting favorite in the. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were yeah. in the Big Ten West. Big Ten West. Coming into the year yeah, nineteenth. They were nineteenth going into this game, and they, for the second year in a row, they get beat by Washington State. And this year, just like. 
the nine-point score, it just didn't feel that close. They never led. Um, they led up a big 17-point second quarter, and they just felt like Washington State was controlling the game. And Washington State deserves credit. Cam Ward's a good quarterback. He's a fun quarterback to watch, but certainly not a guy I expect to beat a Luke Fickle coach Big Ten football team. Um, I think Tanner or Tanner Mordecai has been relatively disappointing. I mean, he's been all right. Uh, two touchdowns, two picks for the first two games. Somewhat efficient, but nothing crazy. Nothing. I expect a little bit. I expect a little bit more out of your transfer. I think he's a fifth year, fifth year quarterback, um, especially with Luke Fickle, uh, Phil Longo from North Carolina, and then really the disappointing thing for me is Braylon Allen had seven rushes for twenty yards. It, either something, either I don't know what it is. The offensive line has to get better. So, if you can't get Braylon Allen going though, that's a problem because. Braylon Allen will step in the NFL day one and be a really, really high-level back. And if you can't get him going against Washington State, that's an issue within itself. Uh, Chaz Malesny, has also, he's been a great running back for them uh, the first two games. He's, um, he's had two really solid games, but at the end of the day, you have to get Braylon Allen the best player on your football team. You have to get him, you have to get him some open rushing lanes. Um, I mean, I haven't watched every snap of Wisconsin football, but if Braylon Allen has 20 rushing yards, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say the offensive line probably hasn't been good enough or the coaching hasn't been good enough. But you have to, you have to, Braylon Allen has to get more than 20 yards at the end of the day, more than seven carries. But it's just, it's just disappointing a Luke Fickle coach team loses to Washington State um, in a year where they, that's just a game early in the year you should win to build momentum going into the Big Ten play. But, I mean, the Luke Fickle, they'll be fine, but it's just its just kind of a disappointing one to lose against that opponent. David? So when I found out we were doing this segment, I had North Carolina circled on my board as the team I was going to talk about, and, and at the last second I'm switching. I, I was honestly shocked by how much Miami handled my most disappointing team, Texas A&M, over this weekend. You, you, you have a team that you spent more money on a recruiting class than any school has ever spent in your life. And this is the production you get from them. Five-star Shamar Shurek got a sack. He played well. And then you get five-star Walter Nolan, one tackle. Labias Overton, one tackle. It, it it blows my mind. And, like, your your five-star corner from last year isn't even on your team anymore, Denver Harris, and, and that's a disaster in and itself. Evan Stewart was really the only – has been the only player from that recruiting He's class a star. to really, Evan pro- to a really star. yeah. Evan but. Stewart is is probably going to be it's going to be him or honestly Zachariah Branch next year for best receiver in the country yeah. because they are both just so good. Connor Wigman played his first bad game and it was an embarrassingly bad game. Texas A&M at the half. Texas A&M at the half had 17 points. 14 of those points were on drives that combined 22 yards. They just had a short field and 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 took advantage of the short field and then yeah and don't be mistaken a lot of his three hundred some passing yards were in garbage time like they were yeah not, he did not play dominated. a good game he did they not play a good game Tyler Van Dyke I think it was you that said it's been his, one of his only complete games and that is just so true he looked unbelievable they just got torn up by a quarterback who wasn't even guaranteed to start at his own school this year. It, yeah, he threw 30 passes and five Completely touchdowns. awful. You can make the argument, you can make the argument that uh, that all oh, they were on the road, they were on the road. Is Miami even a road? Over, over 10 yards per attempt for Van 10 Dyke. 10 yards per attempt for Van Dyke in a stadium that was reported 75% yeah. attendance. That is not the correct number at all. That no. stadium was half full. Yeah. 
And honestly, probably 25% full of Texas A&M fans. There are probably yeah. an even amount of A&M and Miami fans, and they just got torn up. 12.5 passing yards in attempt, 17.8 per completion. They just got completely torn up by a Miami team who I was low on before this week, and honestly this week made me feel a little bit better about them. But a, like a Miami team that a lot of people have question marks, can they even perform in big games? And Texas A&M didn't even make this feel like it was a big game. Yeah, it feels like Jimbo's a thing of the past at this point. And it, it really does. And I can't and, say much else. And, I mean, I'm looking at a team that has six five-stars on it that I bet two of them are wearing an A&M uniform next year. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, if I'm Evan Stewart, I'm getting the hell out of town quickly. Mm-hmm. Because he can be a wide receiver one at, at any school he yeah, wants to next yeah. year. He is he is that talented. And Texas A&M, for those reasons, is, is by far my most disappointing team. Um, so, yeah, I think I think uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Petty's Pod. Good to be back. Good to talk some college football. Um, listen to uh, this show first. We did an episode last night on the NFL weekend. Um, got Monday Night Football tonight. But overall, really fun. We will have the boys back on next week, I think, for uh, – another college football update as well as uh, another NFL pod on uh, this show first. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.